Okay, if you're taking notes, uh, the title is actually a question. All things work together for good? Have you, how many of you have heard that scripture? All things work together for the good of those who love Christ. That's what we're reading. And uh, we're going to read it all together out loud in just a minute. But if you've heard that scripture, all things work together for good. What? Are you with me? Come on, let's have a family moment. Raise your hand. What? If, you're with, if you've ever thought, come on. Come, that's what I'm going to talk about today because I really feel like the Lord has shared a revelation with me that's got me so excited uh, because for the past few weeks I've been noticing that within my relationship with God it seemed to have, it seems to have gone to a place where anytime worry or stress uh, comes into my mind or my world, I'm feeling myself uh, boot it out and dispel it much quicker because of this this confidence that what's mine is mine and nobody can take it away. Uh, the good things that's in the future, it's mine. You can't take it away. It's sitting waiting for me in November 2014. Maybe it's in February 2015. I don't know when God has these good things to arrive at my doorstep, but there's nothing you can do to take it away, so I'm not going to worry about it. Now, am I all the way there yet? No. There are some days where my hope and my faith is not quite as strong, but I'm feeling myself get caught up in this new level of faith and, and I want to unpack it with you and see if I can transfer this level of faith into your hearts. And, uh, and many of you may exceed me, uh, which is very possible in your level of faith, but let's just dive into it. Let's read it out loud together. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 uh, so let's read it out loud. One, two, three, real loud. One, two, three. And we know. All right, time out, time out, time out, time out. Uh, I know you're tired. You work hard today. You've worked hard today. But just find just one more burst of energy, all right? Out loud on three. One, two, three, everyone. And we know that all All right, let's unpack it. Point number one, let's just focus on the word all things. All things. All things. Point number one, all things. Underline all. Put it in caps. All things. Now, it's so important that when we say all things, we got to remember that none of these things work separately. That all of the things work together. Now, if there were one of the experiences or one of the events, uh, if they were to work independent from the rest of our experiences, that would be a different story. But that's not the case. Every experience works together. Now, let me illustrate this. How many of you have ever received a shot at the doctor's office? Go ahead, raise your hand. 
They pull it out, and I always think it's funny because they always squirt a little bit before they nail you with it, right? It's like, okay, let's make sure this has come out squirt, and then wham! And, you know, I appreciate the ones that kind of warm you up verbally. If there's any nurses in the room, hear me. This is good for us. Just say, hey, it's only going to hurt for a minute. It's just going to pinch for a minute. Talk to me like I'm a six-year-old. I know I'm grown, but talk to me like I'm a child anyway. It's only going to hurt for a moment. I don't appreciate nurses that look at me and go, oh, you're a grown man. You're a father. You've had a hundred of these. Just take it like a man. I don't want to take it like a man. I want to take it like a child. Hey, it's only going to hurt for a second. Just hold on, look away. And wham, see, you didn't even feel, see, you know what? It just feels better when you talk to me that way. But when you take uh, the, the medicine, all of that medicine inside of that syringe is a combination of several different ingredients. They've combined it, if you will into that bottle where they suck it out of the bottle. If you were to take just one of those ingredients by itself, away from the others, it could kill you. Are you with me? But when you take that one ingredient and you mix it all together, all of these things together works for the good. So when we back up and we go, hold on a second, you mean to tell me all things work together for the good? Now, if I take this one thing in that one situation, it's very hard to see how that would work in just that one situation, but that's not how it works. It all works. So you take the one experience that you're talking about, followed up with another experience in the next season, followed up by the next experience in the next season, and precept upon precept upon precept, lesson upon lesson upon lesson, experience upon experience upon experience. And you take all of those things and you put it together. Now that works for your good. So it's all of these things. So you say, well, you mean my divorce was for the good? Hold on. Put your finger on your neck. Yeah, you're still alive. That divorce, including your experiences today, including your experiences when you were 20, including the experiences that you're going to have next month, you mix all of that together like a cocktail mix. All of that works together for your good. Now, if you pull, open up the hood of your car and you pull out the battery and you go, how is this supposed to make me move? No, 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 no. Take that battery and put it back in the car and everything underneath the hood makes you move. Are you with me? So what God makes sure of is that every single experience in your life is all working together. Everyone say, I got that. Let's keep in mind as well, and I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. Let me say it this way. I want to say it the exact way as I wrote it on my notes. That if we were to stay in the same condition... It could ruin us, whatever condition that is. 
Let me, too much joy would intoxicate us. Too much misery would drive us to despair. But when you mix joy and the misery, the battle and the victory, then you start seeing how God is perfecting us. When you mix it all together, now it's working for us. When I look back on my life, to some of you I'm old, to some of you I'm young. But when I look back on my life and I see this different seasons, I don't know how that season connected with that season that connected with that season. But what I do see is who I am right now is the conglomeration of all of those experiences put together. Where we get in trouble, have you ever seen somebody stuck in a season? Are you with me? Have you ever met somebody that got divorced 12 years ago and they're still mad about it 12 years later? Well, now the growth has been put on hold because there's other experiences that they've had that because they're still stuck in that one season, the whole plan of God hasn't been able to be received. Are you with me? There's rough patches, but we back up and we go some way, somehow all of this is working together. Everyone say, I got it. Point number two, for good. Now let's unpack that word good. There's a worldview of good. See, good for one person isn't good for another person. When people back up and say, it would be good for me to be rich. It might be the will of God for one of us to be poor. Uh, Now, all of a sudden, it's like, well, I'm going to have to go ahead and pick another church. Because the God I serve, we're all supposed to be rich. Paul said, I know what it's like to have a lot. And I know what it's like to have a little. I know what it's like to abound. I know what it's like to abase. Thank you, man. In other words, Paul's saying, I know what it's like to have a lot of money. I know what it's like not to have a lot of money at all. I know what it's like. The disciples knocked on the door like, Jesus, tax collectors here. I don't have any money. All right, go down to the lake. Inside the fish's mouth, you'll find a coin. In other words, we're broke. So if, uh, it's, it's so funny to me how people change the doctrine. It, like my mother-in-law used to say, before you establish your theology, can you read the Bible? No, that requires me to read. I'd much rather just watch somebody on TV and make my opinion there and then go around to church to church trying to find somebody that preaches like the guy on TV. Time out. Can you read your Bible? No. All right, well, will you listen to the Bible on CD in your car? No. 
Will you watch pop-up Bibles? No. Will you watch people read you the Bible on DVD? No. Well, now your theology is exactly, you have made Jesus into what you want him to be. Jesus said, follow me. Well, I'll follow you just as long as I don't have to pick up a cross. Jesus said, pick up the cross and follow me. No, I'm going to be rich and highly favored. John the Baptist ate locusts. We have to pick where we want to be wealthy. Does that make sense? It's almost like uh, uh, about the time you get what you've always wanted, God has a way of making sure that by the time you get what you've always wanted, you don't really care about it anymore. Does that make sense? It's like, so long as it's the primary focus of your life, it's almost like it never comes. And then by the time you get it, God holds it back and gives it to you when you don't really care about it anymore. Does that make sense? I don't know. Maybe some of you aren't there yet. But it, it's, it's, there's different view, world views of God. Now, the Christian worldview of good is that we back up and we see it as a spiritual good. A non-emotional good. See, our emotions lie to us. Our feelings lie to us. They don't tell us the truth. Have you ever had a horrible day and you feel like your life is trash and you go to sleep and you wake up and you feel great and God is good? What happened? Did God change? No, you got some rest. Our emotions lie. Sometimes our whole relationship with God is built on emotions. I want to come and I want to cry. I want the preacher to pray for me and I want to fall out. I want emotion. I want emo. I want to feel it. It's all emotion. In 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 groups and churches that that's heavy in, it's usually predominantly women, because men are like, I don't know what y'all are. I don't know what's going on around here. I'll be at home. Let me know when you're done. And I'm not trying to uh, belittle the emotional side of it because there's a lot of your walk with God that is emotional. Jesus cried. I cried. There's a lot of it. But when it's all based on emotion, we can't check our brains at the door. Do you know what I'm saying? All right. I feel like I'm, I'm getting off here. The definition of good, all things work together for the good. Well, what is good? There is a spiritual good. What would you rather have? This is a hard decision to make. Would you rather grow in wealth or grow in grace? That's a maturity question right there. Grow in wealth or grow in grace? The more we learn about what grace has to offer, the more it overshadows wealth. But out of ignorance of not knowing what grace is or what it has to offer, you say, 
I don't know what grace is, but God is good. God will be there when I get there. I need some money, Freddie. Give it to me now. We get consumed with what that is. But when we redefine grace and we find out what it is, this peace that passes understanding, this surety, if, if I can make up a word, um, this intimacy with God, this um, understanding. I, I don't know what your guys' hope is uh, here on earth, but, but my hope in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it talks about how no man knows the thoughts of God except for his spirit. And he takes his spirit and gives it to us that we may know his thoughts. Man, if that's available, you can keep the Benjamins. You can keep the money. That's not in comparison. That's the grace that I want. I want to be able to know the thoughts of God. I want to be able to pray and understand his thoughts about the season that I'm in. I want to be able to talk with you and know the thoughts of God and share them with you about your situation. I want to know the thoughts of God. And so when we redefine what grace is to be connected to God's strength. See, mercy and grace is not the same thing. Mercy forgives us for what we've done wrong. Grace gives us the strength to not do it anymore. Does that make sense? That's why we say we need mercy and grace. Man, to have that kind of grace, now that's good. When we define what good is properly, then we can back up and we say, all these things, all of these things, it's working us to this person where the virtues of God flow through us. The virtues are, are, are an incredible thing. Jesus was walking down the road and a woman with the issue of blood touched him and he went, I felt virtue leave me. He felt power leave him. How incredible would it be to have such an in, a relationship with God that all the temporal things paled in comparison to your relationship with God because the virtues were overflowing your life so much that when people got up close to you, they could feel it and it changed their life. And they want to know where you got it. I was out with a, a Christian uh, a guy, emphasis on Christian, he doesn't go to our church, he goes to a church in Houston. I went out to dinner with him last night, and supposedly he's this on fire for Christian. He was so, um, the, the dinner was so, uh, 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 What's the word I want to use here? It was so bad. That's probably the most politically correct way I can say it. But it was so worse than bad. Any word you can come up with. um, It it was um, 
Jeez, I can't think of anything. It was just, it was so draining and so sapping and, and, and mean. It was mean. That's what it was. There was, it was mean. There was like these hidden and then blatant. It was just, it was just so bad that I thought to myself, I'm never going to go out with this guy again. I know people who are not Christians that are far more enjoyable people to be around than this guy. Are you with me? Uh, In my old neighborhood, there used to be the neighborhood drunk. And if I could have paid him to be our church greeter, I would have. He's just, every time I'd come walking my dog Scooby and he'd be like, Hey, Frankie, you want a beer? Come on over, man. I'm like, man, I'm good. Come on, man. Come on, come on. And I'm like, dude, you would be the best greeter ever. And he's not a Christian at all. And last night I'm out with this guy and I'm like, bro, I I promise I got in the car. I know you're not supposed to text when you're driving and I wasn't texting. But I did go to my phone book and delete him out of my cell phone. Never again will I go out with this guy again. And if I had a relationship with him where I could be transparent, I would say, bro, go, don't change your countenance. Don't change it. Leave it right now. Just stop. And I would ask the lady next to him, give me your makeup mirror. I know you don't. Give me your mirror. Don't, don't ask me mine. Just give me your makeup mirror. And I would open up the makeup mirror. I'm like, look at your face. This face is a face that just says, I hate the world. I'm grumpy at the world. I'm mad. I'm bitter. I'm depressed. I'm mad. I'm bitter. I'm depressed. Now, time out. Just start talking. Let me record you. You just sound, you call yourself a Christian, but there's no scent. You stink. There's no scent about you. There's no virtue about you. I don't ever want to be around you again. In contrary, imagine having the scent of God, the aroma of God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the understanding that I'm, I'm only on this earth for a short amount of time. And so as long as I'm here, I am not going to get involved in civilian affairs. I'm not going to get caught up in it. I am a soldier for God. I got to work. I got to do this. I'm going to experience trouble so long as I'm here. But I'm going to stay connected to him and share him and get as much of him as I possibly can so I can give as much as I possibly can. But that is what I want to be. I want to be, I want to be like this. Connected to him and connected to people. Connected to him, connected to people. And that, now when that is our definition of good, to be in his likeness, to be full of him, to be exactly who he sees us being, then we can back up and say, I don't know... I don't know how this whole moment is going to work, but it is working together for me. It's all working together. 
Do you know what stress is? Stress is fear. So the next time you're stressed out, just ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Well, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm just stressed. No. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And make yourself answer that question. Let me move on a little bit. Point number three. All things work. Now, when you look at that word, it doesn't say shall work and it doesn't say have worked. It says that they work right now. But it does include a forward tense and a past tense, a future tense and a past tense. It says all things work. Everything that's happening right now is exactly what is supposed to, everything is working together perfect. Let me see, uh, can I have that box of Kleenexes? If I would have known I was going to do this, I'd have like a, uh, a I would have like made a better presentation, but I just thought of it just now. Um, it, does anyone have a pen? Yeah, there we go. Oh, you guys are taking notes. It makes you feel. All right, here's a, here's a pen. All right, Terry, thank you, sir. Terry, this present is yours. Terry. Okay. Now, it does not matter what happens to you. This is yours. This is yours. Does it matter if you get fired tomorrow? It's yours. It doesn't matter if everybody in this whole room doesn't like you. Your name is already on it. It's yours. Nothing can happen. It's not like God's going to go, uh, Billy. It's yours. It is yours. What is in store for you is in store only for you. And it cannot, will not go to anyone else. No one can take it. You just back up and say, what's mine is mine. What's mine is coming to me. You just back up. You say, well, what about this? What about someone? Look, all of those things, it's all working together. What's mine is mine. I don't even know what's mine. Does that help at all? Let me see if I can build on this point a little bit. Point number four. Paul says this. He says, I am persuaded. No, that's not what the scripture says. It says, I believe. No, that's not what it says. Can you put that original scripture, Romans 8, up there? Don't come up yet, Isaiah. Let's read those first two words and yell the second word. One, two, three. Somebody, about 80 of you said all three words. But just, just say the first two words and yell the second word. All right? One, two, three. Oh, you're good. You're good. You're good. All right. Let's do it again now that some of you got the hang of it. All right. One, two, three. Oh, there we go. Paul is writing the letter. And he says... And we know. Who's we? 
He's writing the letter to the church in Corinth. No, Roman. The Roman church. He says, and we. Now, who is we? He is speaking on behalf of all of his uh, his brothers and sisters that have enough experience. The halls of faith. Hebrews 11. When he listed all of these people, these patriarchs that live by faith. He backed all of the people that have enough experience, enough, enough stories. Watch this. We'll do it right here at Celebration. How many of you can look backwards on your life and say, there was a lot of seasons, a lot of rough spots, a lot of bad times. There were some good times. But somehow, God took all that, took care of me, and made me into the person that I am today. Raise your hand if you can say that. This is who Paul was thinking about. He was thinking about you that just raised your hand. He said, and we know. We know. He's talking about everybody that's been living with the Lord for a while. And we know. See, a relationship with God is interesting. Because when we look back, we see what God's done. And we know that God has our future in his hands. So we got our past. We're okay with that. And we're okay with our future. But what about right now? Isn't that interesting how that works? What about right now? And that's the funny thing about faith is that all of that mixed together, we've got to have, that's why the gift of faith, we have to increase that faith. We need that faith. Now, how does that come? How do you get faith? Can anyone, someone just shout it out to me? By hearing and hearing of the word. We cannot... When you walk out of here, you're going to feel stronger in your faith in God. Why? Because you just heard it for 30 minutes. Every time you hear that word, every time you go to sleep and you read two or three sentences, every time you hear it, you get a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger. Every time you pray, you get a little bit stronger and you get a little bit stronger. Let me show you, I've said this before, so for those of you that go to church here, you've heard me say this a million times. The difference between a faith prayer and a non-faith prayer is just putting thank you at the beginning of every sentence. So let's say you needed a raise. 
you need a raise or you need a job. Here's a non-faith-based prayer. Lord God, please give me a job. I need a job. Please give me a job. Shift. Lord, thank you that you have the right job in store for me. Thank you that you're going to show me which person to call. Thank you that you're not going to let me waste my time by knocking on doors that you don't want me to go through. Thank you, Jesus, that you're giving me enough money to get through this season. Thank you, Jesus, that you're going to open up the door of opportunity. Now, I want to share this with you. I used to, uh, I've had 17 jobs. I may have had more. You know, some of you are like, how in the world can you have that many jobs? It's real easy. Between the ages of 16 and 18, I got fired about 15 times. And I, is, how can you get fired that many times? It's the craziest thing. <laughs> Bosses are so picky about showing up. I don't know what their deal is, but they get so picky. Like, you don't show up as like, dude, go home. <laughs> So picky. I remember opening up the hatchback of my Honda Civic and looking at seven aprons. Casolet, Carabas, Bennigan's, Chili's. I had to go through to figure out which one I was supposed to wear. That is a true story. I'd go in there and you have to like memorize the menu. I could, I could tell you every, uh, every menu in this whole town. I could tell you about, I say this town, it was actually in Beaumont, all the way down I-10. I can tell you all of those, I worked at all of them. Sometimes, <laughs> one time I got fired and then reapplied nine months later. <laughs> I showed back up, got through the first interview and I'm sitting in the second interview like, Frankie, come on, man. <laughs> I should just have a night where I just tell stories about getting fired. (laughs) Best job I ever had (laughs) was working at Wood Forest Bank. I was 18 years old. I'm getting trained. I'm sitting in the training. They've got like 12 videos of training that you're supposed to watch. That's hard to get through when you don't sleep. Because I'm up at night. Things are happening at night. 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning at the car wash, things are happening. It's hard to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning when you've been up all night. Now you got to make me watch 12 training videos. I'm sitting there and the guy, <laughs> the guy's sitting next, I'll get back to my sermon in a minute. But the guy's sitting next to me that's training me. And I'm sitting there and I looked at him like this. And I fell asleep. Now, I don't know if anyone else does this. I didn't know that I did this until this day. Does anybody jump when they sleep for no reason? Well, I didn't know I did that until this moment. So I'm sitting there. And And he looked at me and I was like, I played it off. and And in my head, I was like, he didn't catch me. So, 
two hours later, I'm sitting at my desk. I was the new accounts guy. I'm sitting at my desk. The manager of the branch calls me in and goes, Frankie, you're fired. Well, I've been fired so many times. I just went, okay. So I walked out. And I said, just out of curiosity, why am I getting fired? Because you can't go to sleep during a training video. So I was like, right, right, right. You got me. 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 I leave. I get down the road. I was like, now, hold on a minute. Hold on. Hold on. I worked three hours. I want my check. I turned around and went and asked for my check. He said, we'll mail it to you. I was like, when? I could use the $21 right now. When you're 17, 21 bucks will pay for your gas all week long. That's a big deal. Now, the funniest part of the story, I'm sweating because I shouldn't be telling this story. The funniest part of that Wood Forest Bank story is guess who we took out the loan for this church with? So, uh, 18 years, 19 years later, I come walking back in. I'm like, okay, so uh, follow me here. I'm a pastor of a church, and uh, I need to borrow some money. (laughs) So, anyway, all those things. You walk through, fired, 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 fired. You know how many times my father, you are an idiot. You are an idiot. If you get fired one more time, I'm going to kick you out of my house. I'm so tired of you asking me for money. Get out there and stop getting fired. All those firings. Some way, somehow. In only the way that God can do it. I was thinking about something. The worst part, I don't know, is Sandy and Buzz here tonight? The worst part of, of pastoring this church for nine years, the worst season in nine years is when uh, Lana passed away. Now, most of you guys don't know Lana because this was when we were four years old. She shouldn't have, she shouldn't have died. I was thinking about her today. She shouldn't have died. She was 42, single mom, daughter was 10 or 11 years old. And the daughter's only seen her dad twice, Hallie, never seen, only seen her dad two or three times and he was a bum. That kind of person's not supposed to die. In miracles, other miracles in our church are happening, like, all the time. She wasn't supposed to die. She dies. I say she wasn't supposed to die. We're all praying. We're all fasting. She dies. You back up and you go, now, hold on. And this, I was thinking about her today when I was putting this sermon together. I was like, wait a minute. All things work together for the good. Didn't seem to work out well for Lana. And I felt the Holy Spirit check me. And it was like all of a sudden I saw from an aerial view the whole situation. Years later. So let's look at all the pieces of the puzzle. Who has it gone the best for? Lana. Lana made out the best. 
If Lana had the option to come back, she'd go, (laughs) when pigs fly, never am I going to come back. So let's just take her off the list. She's good. She's very happy. Paul said in the Bible, it's for me to die is gain. It's good for me. I'm out of here. Enjoy the world. The Bible says so long as you're on this world, you're going to have trouble. Well, great. How about I just leave? So now we got to look at everything else. Now let's look at Hallie. Let's look at Sandy. Let's look at me, Frankie. My gosh, I felt like I was, it was the hardest season of my life. And you take that ingredient with Hallie, who ended up becoming my my goddaughter. Hallie, Sandy, Buzz, Frankie. You take that experience and you add it into the rest of the experiences that we've had. I am a way better pastor than I was before that season. Sandy and Buzz, they would have to speak for themselves, but I've been pretty close to them, which is Lana's parents. Hallie, I've watched her grow up. Hallie is in California right now. And her uncle got into a bad motorcycle accident. And I'm not sure if he, oh, he was, um, he either passed away or he's on life support or the entire family looked up Hallie and said, Hallie, how do we handle this? She's 17 years old walking the family, the whole family through this rough and incredibly painful season. She's 17, walking them through how to navigate their relationship with God while they're being so confused. She's 17. You go, wow. God knew who Hallie was going to be and took that experience and mixed it together with the other experiences. He takes all these things and puts them together. We know, how, we know Lana's great. She's good. But even the rest of us. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to look into people's faces and find years. You know, if I can see gray in somebody's hair or somebody that's losing hair or somebody that has wrinkles. I, was, I walked in today and I saw the Granberries and I said, how long have you guys been married? And I said, oh, only two or three years. But no, I'm just kidding. They said 30, how many? 33, 36, 37. And I said, boy, you guys have some stories to tell, don't you? And both of them were like, well, we don't know what you're talking about. So I understand. One of my favorite things to do is to look and find years, the sign of years on somebody's face. And think to myself, man, you have some stories to tell. That's one of the gifts. That's one of the stripes. See, in the military, you you get stripes on your sleeve or you get pins to signify the graduation of certain levels and experiences. Well, in today's world, you don't have stripes or pins. You look on the face and you see 
wrinkles and lines and like the Bible says, gray hair is a crown of glory. And you look on people's faces and you can say, wow, I wonder what those stories are. And some people, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Some people have purple hearts. See, if a, if a Marine or somebody from the army that has served and they have a purple heart, we can see that you went through something rough. Otherwise, you wouldn't have that purple heart. But we don't know exactly what happened. We don't know the story. We just can see the purple heart. Well, when people come walking in here, and there's a tan line on where a wedding band once was. You look at them and you say, man, you just went through a rough season. You just went through a season. A purple heart season. Because it would have killed anybody else, but it didn't kill you. That's when people get purple hearts. Is when they should have died, but they didn't. And see, all the way around this room, there's stories, there's gray hair, there's lines, there's wrinkles. And you can say, some way, somehow... And only the way that God can do it, all things seem to have worked together. And I just want to encourage you, whatever season that you're in today, it's working together. It's working together.